Uh, my name is Mike. I'm the, uh, the pastor of Family Life. And I got to tell you, this is one of my favorite things I get to do, share with a group of men. Um, so uh, what I want to share with you is something that's been on my heart for a long time. So it's great to be able to share that with other men. Now, if you know me at all, uh, you know that I'm really passionate about swimming. Um, I started swimming competitively when I was eight. You know, I'm 47 now. I still swim. I still coach. I still compete. I mean, I've got chlorine in my blood. I love it. And over the course of my 39 years of swimming, I have swum, I thought about this just the other day, I have swum on seven different swim teams through the years. And uh, my favorite team would have to be the team I swam on when I was a junior, uh, in junior high and high school. Uh, it was the Woodlands swim team. I lived in the Woodlands, Texas, and that was my club team. Um, and I liked that more than I liked my high school team. I liked that more even than I liked my college team, Hook'em Horns. Um, it was this club team because I love the, the swimmers and I love the coach. Now swimming is a really interesting sport because it is a team sport, but it's also very, very individualistic too. Okay, when you're on that starting block and you're a little bitty speedo, it's a lonely place to be. It is you, okay? But it is a team sport. You're winning points for your team. And this particular coach did a masterful job of making it feel like, hey, we're all in this together. This is a team Everyone matters. And I love that approach. One of the things he did is he had, every week, he had the Hardest Worker Award. And to be eligible for the Hardest Worker Award, you had to make every practice, okay? And so any given week, it was 11 practices. Five in the morning, five at night, one on, on Saturday, and then Sunday you got the day off. All right, you couldn't be late, you couldn't leave early, and you had to work your butt off every time you showed up at the pool. And I always wanted to win the Hardest Worker Award. And the way that it worked, you know, the team captain, the coach would decide who won for that particular week. And uh, the award was a t-shirt. They would give you a shirt, said Woodland Swimming on it. And uh, the, 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 the team captain, the coach would decide who was eligible for it. And then they would announce it at the end of practice at the end of the week. Okay, so to hear your name called as the Hardest Worker meant something and it was really cool. And you'd get your t-shirt and the coach said, the same thing every time. He'd shake your hand and he would say, if you ever rob a 7-Eleven, do not wear this shirt. <laughs> when I was 12, I remember thinking, he thinks I'm gonna rob a 7-Eleven? I didn't get it, okay? But he said it week after week, year after year, and finally it dawned on me and it occurred to me, you know, he does not want us to do anything stupid make ourselves look bad, or make our team look bad. We are a team. Do not behave foolishly. Don't do stupid things. Don't be a jerk. Don't be an idiot. Don't make the team look bad, okay? Now, I want to take that same idea, all right? I want to make it a little bit more global, and I want to think about us as a group of men, as a global team, one big team, all right? Right now, there are a lot of people, a lot of men, doing some really stupid things, making all of us look really bad, okay? You don't have to go far to look at the headlines and the, and the, and the news, who is making the headlines and what's happening, but increasingly more and more men as a whole are being grouped together, and I absolutely hate that. All right, so if you look at all the, the, the sexual scandals right now, I mean, it's happening every day. There's someone new uh, caught doing something really, really stupid, okay? Um, you know, it's in Congress, it's in the, in the media. So that's tragic, all right? Then you look at our, our sports figures, you know, collegiate sports, professional athletics. You know, these are men doing some stupid things. It reflects poorly on 
all of us. And if you think about the mass shootings, that's men. If you think about acts of terror, okay, men, 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 men doing stupid things, behaving poorly, all right, and it is making all of us look bad. And I, I hate that. I absolutely hate that. And you might be thinking, oh, no, but Mike, that's not me. Well, I hope it's not you, okay? But again, it's some of these men in their behavior making us all look bad. There's that shift uh, that we're being lumped together, and it's not fair to the men who are trying to do it right. Now, I want you to consider this quote from a woman. I just read this recently. It said, deeply embedded in my unconscious is the notion that all men are potential predators, that there is something inherently creepy to being born male. And I don't think that's something that was said, you know, 50 years ago about men, but I think increasingly, and as tragic as it is, but because again of men behaving poorly, men are being lumped together as potential predators. And there's a growing number of women who are growing fearful of men. And that's tragic. That's awful. There's a, a book I read a couple years ago. It's called Men on Strike, Why Men Are Boycotting Marriage, Fatherhood, and the American Dream, and Why It Matters. It was a fascinating book, not written from a Christian perspective at all. Um, it's written by a woman who's basically saying, as a culture, we have blown it, okay, the way that we have demasculated men or emasculated men, pushed into a corner. So when men are not behaving like men should, like who are we to blame? And she's saying, hey, it's the culture, it's feminism. Anyway, I'm not recommending this book. It was a fascinating read, but there's a story in here that I did want to relate because this is, again, tragic, I think, in what it says about men. So the businessman is suing British Airways over a policy that bans male passengers from sitting next to children that they don't know, even if the, if the child's parents are on the same flight. Mirko Fishner has accused the airline of branding all men as potential sex offenders and says innocent travelers are being publicly humiliated. In line with the policy, British Airways cabin crew patrol the aisles before takeoff, checking that youngsters traveling on their own or in a different row from their parents are not next to a male stranger. If they find a man next to a child or a teenager, that will, um, they will ask him to move to a different seat. The aircraft will not take off unless the passenger obeys. Mr. Fisher, uh, who lives in Luxembourg with his family, with his wife and his daughter, Sophia said, this policy is branding all men as perverts for no reason. The policy and the treatment of male passengers is absolutely outrageous. And I agree. Again, society, the way they're looking at men, not as positive, not in the light that I think that we would want. Um, I think all of us, all right, most men want to see themselves as noble, upright, heroic, courageous leaders, um, a positive force in the world. I think if you're a Christian man, you want to be a servant. You want to love well. You want to model Christ's likeness. I mean, all these things are wonderful and noble, but our culture does not always see it this way. That's why I think this verse is fascinating. All right, I come back to this over and over again. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 16, 13, and 14. And I want you to see what Paul says. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. So clearly Paul, when he says act like men, means it in a very positive light. That is a good thing to act like 
a man. If you see how it's lumped together, it's with being watchful. Um, this idea of being, you know, standing firm in your faith. Um, it's being strong. It's doing everything in love. Okay, beautiful things, wonderful things, qualities we all should live out and do. Hey, but act like men. Paul meant that as a positive. In our culture right now, it's not always meant as a positive. And I'm sure you say that. I say this all the time. I think it's a good thing to say. If I tell my son to man up, all right, that means, hey, this particular moment right now requires a degree of courage. It might require you to do something you don't want to do, but you're going to man up and you're going to do it. Okay, it's a positive in my house. I actually heard my wife tell my daughter to man up the other day, and I loved it. All right, there was a gigantic spider in her room. All right, and she wanted my wife to come kill it, wanted me to come kill it. And I heard Maddie, or I heard Kathleen say, Maddie, man up, kill the spider. All right, it's meant as a positive. I know, take it to an extreme, all right, saying that can be hurtful, all right? Man up does not mean, you know, drink a six pack of beer, you know, suppress all your feelings and go shoot something, all right? It's meant as a positive, it's a good thing, but in our culture, not always. To man up, to be a man, step up, act like men, I think it's a good thing. Um, we, I think, um, as men, Again, acting like men is a good thing that our world and our culture desperately needs. But I think people don't understand what it means to act like a man, all right? And I, maybe you do. I hope you do. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor here in a second. But what I did, I was really curious to know what the women in our church thought that this meant, okay, this verse. And so what I did is I sent an email to Marianne uh, Nowak, our, the pastor of women's ministry, and said, hey, will you forward this to all the women in the river, all right, your Bible study group? I want them to tell me what does Paul mean when he says, act like men, all right? And their responses were fascinating. And I'm gonna share some of them in a second, but before I do that, I want your responses. So right now on your table, there's a note card and there's a pen. You have one minute, all right? And I just want you to tell me, what do you think that means? What words would you substitute? Act like men, what does it look like? Okay, go, one minute, describe what you think that looks like. And if you want more time, shoot me an email, but I would love to know your initial thoughts now. All right, go. All right, if you want more time, and really, if you want to shoot me an email, that's fine too, but um, I'm going to collect these cards at the end. And really, I'm kind of preparing for another talk that I want to give. I'm speaking at uh, a men's conference, a men's retreat. I want all of you guys to be there. It's April 13th through 15th at Washington Family Ranch. We'll be promoting that. But, um, but I, I want to know what you think, okay? So here's how the women responded. First of all, and this is a little bit unfortunate. I think some women, they took it as, what is your ideal man? That's how they answer the question. So there were just a few like this, but they're like, he's got to be tall. He has to have broad shoulders, a wide, I'm not making this up, a wide stance. All right. He doesn't cuss and he likes children. Okay. So that was kind of, I would put that into the ideal man. That's what some particular women were looking for. Um, some women instantly took it to think, okay, they're thinking of their husbands. They're thinking of a, of, of a man just purely as a husband. Um, they want to be a good provider for his family. He needs to love his wife, love his kids. Okay, that's great, but I, I don't think that's what Paul had in mind when he said this. It's not just specific to husbands. Um, so a lot of wonderful words, hundreds of words. These are the top seven, all right? So when women in our church... Think about what it means to act like men. This is what they said, all right? They're leaders, they're protectors, they're loving, they're men of integrity, they're providers, they're responsible, 
And number seven is they're courageous. Okay, and if you're writing those down, leader, protector, loving, men of integrity, provider, responsible, courageous. That's a great list. That's a fantastic list. One woman actually did write spider killer. Okay, that didn't make the top seven, but I love that she wrote that. I thought that was great. Um, One woman wrote, what I think of, but what I observe in the men around me are two very different things. Okay, I think that is telling. Um, one woman said, well, when I think of a man, what I think I, it's like, it's, it's men, not boys. That's how she chose to interpret this. Not boys. Too many men act like boys and they're not acting like men. Uh, but these seven words I thought were very descriptive and awesome. But here's the deal is I really have, I've thought about this. The answer is, is not that hard you know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the ultimate example of manhood in Jesus. So the idea to me of acting like a man is acting like the ultimate man is acting like Jesus. Um, and he, if you think about it, he is the perfect blend of everything. He is courageous, but you won't find anyone that's more tender or loving than Jesus. He is courageous for sure, um, bold, all right, loud and aggressive at times. You know, he was, when he took on the Pharisees, he was loud, he was aggressive. But then when you think about, you know, how he uh, spent time with the woman that was caught in the act of adultery, I mean, he was soft-spoken, all right? That was a beautiful moment. So loud and quiet, bold, courageous, you know, humble, um, but fearless. I think that's what it means to act like a man, is to act like Jesus. Um, And if you study the gospels, you'll see that. Right? I think all of us, that's what our lives need to be. And I've talked about this before, but you know, Jesus, what's so beautiful about it is um, he is perfectly poised in every circumstance he ever faced. Right? I want that for you. I want that for me. And when I say poised, um, it's, the, it's the keen sense of the appropriate behavior in every situation. Like you know how to respond. Does this require you to listen or to speak up? All right? To stay or to run, to be loud, be soft, um, be aggressive, be firm, or to step back, be more tender, all right, soft-spoken. Jesus was perfectly poised. That's our example of manhood. And how we live matters because there's so much um, at stake, so much at stake in how we live, okay, just in our families and culture at large. So what I want to do, all right, for the rest of our time, I want to look at two verses, um, and they are uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5 is a fantastic chapter. If you read that, you'll have a wonderful idea of what it looks like to, to be a man. I mean, Paul is letting the churches in, in Ephesus have it and how he wants them to live. But the reason I chose these two verses in particular, because I think it's a, a great summary statement and it's, a great, it's easy to memorize. And just to have that as your mantra, all men I think need this as their mantra. So here's the verse. It says, be very careful then how you live not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And so what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna break that down into its four parts. And we're gonna look at that because there's a lot at stake, all right? And I want us to act like men. And I think living this out will give us a really clear picture of what it looks like to act like a man. So number one, be very careful in how you live. And why? Again, because there's so much at stake in our homes, in our relationships, in our neighborhoods, our churches, at work, in our extracurricular activities, our day-to-day existence, and just the world at large. There's a lot at stake. So we do need to be careful in how we live. And 
just like I don't like being lumped together with other men, um, I don't want to be a stereotype. I don't think you want to be a stereotype, all right? I think we're all better men than the men we see portrayed in the average beer commercial, all right, or a TV sitcom, all right? We're better than that. But we need to be careful in how we live. And sometimes I picture this idea of, like, you're, we're walking as men, we're walking through a minefield, okay? We're walking, there's mines everywhere. Some of them are more easily uh, detectable than others, all right? Some of them also have a big flag saying, warning, 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 all around them. Those are the biggies, okay? That's, that's alcoholism, all right? That's addictions of any kind. That's pornography, um, that's sexual sin. You know, it's just men who become workaholics. So we know the dangers of that. You know, it's men who fail to love their families, who just leave their families. You know, those are the big things, all right? We know those are out there. Uh, we know we need to avoid them, but some of us have stepped on those landmines. And if you have, you know that there's grace, you know that there's healing, you know there's redemption. You're never disqualified, all right? You might have to sit out on the sidelines for a while, but you can always get back into the game. So none of those are, are deal killers at all, all right? Maybe you have some mistakes in the past, but you can make up for them in how you live in the future. But there's more subtle ways that I think that we blow it. All right, I'll be more specific. These are subtle ways in which I can blow it, and I'm sure I'm not alone. All right, so these aren't the big, big things that maybe you're thinking of. These are some more subtle things, some smaller things. So number one, when men aren't careful, we just, we lack sensitivity. And that might seem really obvious, but I think we could be bulldozers at times. We lack sensitivity. Uh, We could shoot from the hip, and it's really easy to hurt the people around us. You know, it's even people that we love. And that could be my tendency, right? Just, I'm always in go mode. I'm rushing, I'm rushing, I'm rushing. And because of that, sometimes I lack sensitivity. Um, I blew it just this last Monday night. Um, my wife and I, uh, we both volunteer for Westland Young Life. And both of my kids are involved in that. I've got a freshman son, Mason. He's involved with Young Life. And my daughter, Maddie, she's a junior. She's involved with Young Life. Uh, Monday night is club. That's the weekly gathering for Young Life. And so uh, I'm there, my son's there, my wife is there, daughter is not there, okay? So when I come home, and you know, I'm presuming that she just had too much homework, which, you know, that's fine, I get that. You don't, you know, it's not, we're not legalistic about it, that you always need to be there. So I'm assuming that she had too much homework. So when I get home, what I do is I hear her on the phone, and she's talking, 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 five minutes go by, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and she is still on the phone. And this is really starting to irritate me because I'm thinking, okay, if you didn't go to club because you have too much homework, you should not be talking on the phone all right, for half an hour. So I knock on her door, like, hey, Maddie, get off the phone, let's talk. So she comes out in the hallway. I'm like, Maddie, if you have too much homework, all right, and you didn't go to club, then you need to be more disciplined, more focused, get your school stuff done, then you can talk on the phone. So I'm lecturing her on her inability to use her time well, all right? And so I'm kind of frustrated. Um, and then I see, like, the tears start to well up, and she goes, Dad, it's not homework. I had a horrible day. I got a fight with my friends, and they're the same friends are going to be at club tonight. I just, I just don't want to see them, all right? So, but uh, she actually didn't say it quite that nice. Um, and then she slammed the door, um, <laughs> I had a decision to make. In that moment, um, I knew what the right thing to do was, but I was, I was mad. I was mad how she responded to me. Um, I didn't respond well to her. And I was mad how she responded to me. And I stood kind of outside that door for a second. And then I'm like, all right, I'm not going to deal with this right now. I should have dealt with it in loving kindness right then, but I didn't, all right? I didn't say goodnight to her. I hate to admit that, all right? I went to bed. Then the conviction really set in. All right, so the next morning, I got up, and I apologized. I said, Maddie, I blew it. I'm sorry. 
Um, I assumed something I shouldn't have assumed. I'm sorry it was so hard with your friends. I can understand that. I understand why you wouldn't want to go. We hugged, we prayed. It was great. But I blew it. I blew it. All right, I was a bulldozer. Um, I wasn't sensitive as I should have been. All right, maybe that describes you. Okay, the second thing. Um, well, one, I think just to be better at that, we need to slow down for sure. Um, number two is when men aren't careful, we just, we don't listen well. Okay, this is tied closely into number one. I think about this, like so many of the problems in the world, if we just took the time to listen to one another, how different it would be if we could really work through things. You know, Stephen Covey's big line, seek first to understand and then to be understood. All right, if all men really lived that out and practiced that, if we really, you know, tried to listen well and to understand what the other person is saying, it would be huge. Um, becoming an intentional listener, I mean, and it takes work. It takes so much work, but there's a payoff. Most men are poor listeners. We need to be better at it. And number three, um, when men aren't careful, uh, we can get caught up in ourselves. You know, I think most men, you know, we're ambitious, we're driven, we're motivated. Wonderful qualities. Those are great qualities. But taken to an extreme, we become selfish, all right? Remember, we can be bulldozers. Uh, we don't see the bigger picture. We kind of get wrapped up into ourselves. And I know for me, that's really easy to do. And these are in, in the good things. I'm not saying in the bad things. I'm not saying, yeah, I'm so wrapped up in myself. I'm spending all my time at a strip club. I'm wrapped up in myself. I'm spending time in my own pursuits, be it at work, be it at church, you know, being in my athletic career. And I can come just be blind to everything around me, all right? Because I'm driven and I'm motivated. Again, good qualities, but taken to an extreme, I become very selfish. Um, and I know I've shared this story before. You know, this is when I was younger. This is when Kathleen, Maddie was maybe one at the time. And I was training for my first Ironman and I, I cannot do anything halfway. And so I'm, I'm training 20 hours a week. It's like a part-time job. I'm running, I'm biking, I'm swimming. I am just going for it, all right? It just didn't even occur to me to back off my training because I got a one-year-old at home. Um, but I was blowing it. Kathleen, I will never forget this. We had this blue couch in her living room and she sat me down. It's like, Mike, we need to talk. And the first words out of her mouth were, Mike, you are blowing it. You are blowing it with me. You're blowing it with our daughter, right? All in pursuit of some athletic accomplishment. Um, you need to get your priorities straight. And in that moment, I mean, by the grace of God, I heard it. I didn't get defensive. I heard it. And I was like, you're right. You're right. And honestly, it was almost like scales kind of fell from my eyes. And I'm like, I am being selfish, you know? all in pursuit of what I was really ambitious for and what I wanted. And in that particular time, it, I mean, in fact, there's nothing wrong for obviously doing an Ironman, but that particular season in my life, it was wrong because I wasn't being attentive to my wife. And I wasn't being attentive to my young daughter. Um, and just to make sure, or I, I trained my training regimen, but just to make sure I didn't have second thoughts, the next week I broke my foot, okay, on a run. And so the, it was all off the table anyway, all right? So Kathleen was wonderful about it, didn't stick it to me. Um, so when we're not careful, we can get caught up in ourselves. And I think it's easy to do. Um, and the fourth thing, and I think this is becoming epidemic, and I think this is such a problem among men. When men aren't careful, we withdraw when life gets too hard or we're feeling overwhelmed. We disappear. Sometimes it's just in our own heads. Sometimes it's a physical withdrawing, pulling back. All right, we isolate ourselves. We want to spend more time by ourselves in our bedrooms, in our man caves, in our office. You know, we find reasons maybe 
not to go home from work right away, all right? We pour ourselves into the place where, we're, where we get the, the most pats on the back, the kudos, the awards, and so often for men, that's work, but when life gets really, really hard, sometimes we distance ourselves. Sometimes it's hiding behind, you know, uh, the bottle, all right? Drugs, or maybe it's just hiding, period. Um, there's that line in Come Thou Fount, and I think it's really haunting. It says, uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. And I think that's descriptive of a lot of men. Like we're, we're isolating ourselves, pulling back from our heavenly father. We pull back from our families. We pull back from friends and other loved ones because we're hurting. And I get it. Life is hard. Life is really hard. Maybe harder now than it's ever been. I don't know, in some ways. Um, I think we're under attacks. I think that, um, you know, just... In, in life in general is hard, but also like we make it hard up here. I think a lot of us are just at war with ourselves in our own minds and we want to hide and we want to check out. Um, and I think that's tragic. Now, the answer to that is community, you know, healthy male community, having friends you can talk to. It's gatherings like this. It's our Bible studies. It's our men's uh, community groups that we have. It's having a mentor. I mean, I think every man, we have to have other men in our lives. We don't retreat. We just go to other men to encourage us, to pray for us, to, to get us back on the right path. So I know we're prone to wander, but I think, again, the consequences are scary uh, when that happens. And I think you need, we all need, to know ourselves well enough to know what we need to be careful of. We, those line, landmines are out there, and clearly, this is not an exhaustive list, clearly, but this is where I see men headed, or I see where men are struggling. You need to know yourself well enough to know what those landmines are, all right, to know how you can avoid them. Um, and that kind of fits into the next one. Um, so we want to be very careful how we live, not as unwise, but as wise, right? And some of us, I think we're just surviving the day, all right? I think the Lord wants us to thrive. Again, there's so much at stake, but we're just kind of just getting through the day. I don't want that to ever be just a descriptive of how I'm living my life, just getting through the day. Um, I want to live as, as a wise man, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that I've been given. And I think a wise man understands his strengths, a wise man also understands his limitations. Um, and he knows that he needs someone bigger than himself calling the shots. And one of the wisest things you could ever do is just to admit to God that you need help. One of my favorite prayers is one word, God, help. All right, it's a wonderful prayer for all of us. Um, we need to grow in wisdom, right? Four things that you can do to grow in wisdom. Number one, ask for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. Okay, easy, ask for it. Number two, read the scriptures, all right? Learn from the good examples, learn from the mistakes of others. The more time I think we spend in God's word, um, his divinely inspired word, the more we're gonna grow in wisdom. Uh, as we read the gospel accounts, as we read anything, we're gonna grow in wisdom and, and see how we need to live. Number three, Hang out with other wise men. You know, we take on so often the characteristics of the men that we spend time with. That could be for the good or for the bad. Um, hang out with other wise men. And again, I think every man needs a mentor. You know, we need a small group. We need men huddled around us. Um, and the fourth thing is you need to know yourself well enough to know what you need to live wisely every day. Okay, you need to know yourself. Like, what do you need to live wisely? Now, I, I try to start every day the same way. All right, and I call this my, and you can laugh at me if you want, 
I call this my rocket launch. Okay, I used to call it my morning mantra. And some of you guys have heard me talk about that before. And I've been doing this for years. But more recently, I, I ditched the morning mantra name and I started calling it my rocket launch. And what I mean by that is like, I wanna light the fuse in the morning so I'm living courageously for Jesus throughout the entire day. I picture myself starting on empty. When I first get up, I'm on empty. And as I go through this process of reading God's word, prayer, and then reading something very specific that I'll talk about here in a second, I am filling my tank. Okay, I wanna start the day here. I'm lighting the fuse, I'm ready to take on the day. And what's amazing is when I do that, I don't, if I start the day that way, it doesn't decline. It's not like when I go to bed at night, I'm like, I've exhausted all my energy, I've exhausted all my fuel. No, when I fuel that way, it carries me through the day. And it's amazing. I might be physically exhausted, mentally, spiritually, I'm still on fire. And there's a huge difference. So I know what I need to start the day. It's my rocket launch. There's four components to that. And I'll just share this. I mean, you can do whatever you want, but basically, you know, it's something I wrote in Evernote. It's It's one page, you can write it in a Word document, just write it in your journal but there's four components to this. And I can honestly say doing these things on a regular basis has made me a better man, all right? It made me uh, a man that I want to be. Um, Number one, what's, what's in there is scripture that speaks to me as a man. You know, as I'm reading the Bible, sometimes a verse will just jump out. I'm like, this is it. And I want to hold on to that. I'll write it down in Evernote, okay? It's, it's scripture that speaks to me as a man. It challenges me and it equips me. Number two, it's, it's, it's scripted prayers. Um, I need help. I need the same help every day. So some of it is a prayer I've already written out and I pray the same prayers every day. The third thing is inspirational quotes. When I just come across a quote that like inspires me, speaks to me, I add that in there. Um, and the fourth thing is very unique to me. And it's just a reminder of who I want to be as a man on this day. All right. So I'm gonna give you some examples. Um, right now, I mean, there's multiple scriptures, but I'll just give you one. This is one of the Psalms of David. It's 144 verses one and two. Um, and when I, I read this, I just kind of meditate on it. I think, what does this mean for me as a man today? This is, it says, praise be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He is my loving God and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield in whom I take refuge. That's one of the verses in there. I love the idea, all right? God is training me for battle, you know, my finger, or for war, my fingers for battle. I look at each day as a battle. There's something to be accomplished in that day. Um, So I want to start the day thinking, yeah, I, I, I need to be filled if I'm going to take on the day, all right? And also one of the verses is just, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. All right, since before time began, God knew what was gonna happen on December 2nd, 2017. We each have a role to play in this day. And according to that verse, we need to be glad in it, okay? No matter what the day holds, all right? So scripture is a big part of that. The second thing is scripted prayer, all right? I've got a couple of script. I pray these every day um, because I need help. This is one of them. It says, Father, help me to be kinder than I need to be. Help me to be more gracious than the situation calls for. Give me the faith and courage required, uh, required to live in such a way. I pray that every day, all right? Because I know I'm a bonehead. I know I left my own devices. I will blow it, all right? I'm not naturally, I don't think, a gracious person, not naturally kind. I want to work on that. I want the Lord to help me in that, all right? And sometimes it takes faith and courage to work that way. All right, as far as inspirational quotes go, uh, this comes to go. Here's one right now that I look at. I think I have this on the slide. Yeah, 
See, uh, Prefontaine, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. I love that. All right, I know he's thinking about running in particular, but I love that for every aspect of my life. All right, anything less than my best is to sacrifice what the Lord has given me. And I don't want to sacrifice that in any of my pursuits. If they're worth doing, I want to bring my best. All right, I find great motivation in that particular quote. And then the fourth thing is just a reminder of who I want to be as a man. And this is how it opens. This is how the rocket launch opens is the first thing that I read. It says this, Mike, be the best man you can be, one who loves, encourages, and blesses the people God puts in your path. Be present. Be in the moment, no matter how you feel. Make it about the other person, and don't be surprised when it's not about you. Walk in a bold and gracious confidence, knowing that the Lord's strength and power are working in you. Okay? Every day I read that. That's who I want to be as a man. All right? And do I blow it every day? Um, but this gives me the confidence and the courage when the Lord is in this with me to be a better man today, hopefully, than I was yesterday. All right? So that's the rocket launch. That's what I need to live wisely. All right, number three. Uh, be very careful in how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Okay, making the most of every opportunity. That is golden. All right, I'm going to share. This is my life philosophy that I want to give it to you. Everything in life is a platform for the gospel. Everything. Everything in life is a platform for the gospel. And if I have that mindset as I'm taking that with me through the day, all right, I want to take advantage, I will take advantage of every opportunity that I am presented with. Everything is a platform for the gospel. So that's our work, it's our hobbies, it's our family, it's our neighborhood, it's the encounters with people we have at the grocery store. Everything is a platform uh, for the gospel. Everything is a platform to act like a man. We don't get to check out of that, okay? It's always, we're, we're male, we're men. We're representing Jesus. If you know Jesus, you're representing him everywhere you go all the time, 24 seven. We don't get to check out. We don't get a hall pass, okay? So we need to make sure we're making or taking advantage of every opportunity, making the most of that. Um, also, this is so important too. It's not, okay, church life, spiritual life, kind of over here, I do my churching thing. And then over here is the rest of my life, Okay. Um, that gets the majority of my time. Like this is the ultimate infusion. It all comes together. Okay, you are an agent for the Lord. You're a missionary. You're as ambassador. Wherever you go, all the time, 24/7. Wherever God will take you. I find that a very exciting way to live. It can make the most mundane day amazing. Okay, when you live in such a way. And for our high schoolers, I know we have a, a couple of high schoolers in here. This is so important too. You know, you have an incredible opportunity on your high school campus. All right. There's always kind of like a primary and a secondary. It's like right now, if you're in school, like, you know, you're there to get education, of course, but you're also there to love and serve the people God puts in your path. All right. Wherever you go, that's for not just for high school, that's for all of us. All right. The sports team that you're on, hey, shoot baskets, win championships, swim fast, whatever it is. Okay. That's awesome. But be a good teammate, love and serve the people on your team. That's your platform for the gospel that you have been given. It's the same thing for us men at work. Same idea. There's a guy that I know is in the insurance business and I was just asking him about it. He works for State Farm and he's like, man, I hate it. I hate insurance. This is not my thing, but he's really successful. I'm like, well, why do you do it? He says, I love my team. 
what gets me up in the morning is the people I get to work with. It's my team. And I'm like, how can I build into them? How can I love them? How can I serve them? That's what gets him excited. He's not excited about the job part, all right? But he loves what he gets to do. And I think it's really awesome that we can make a living, get paid, support our family, and at the same time, know that is a platform for God's heavenly purposes. It's kingdom work all the time. Um, when I was in college, I worked for a while at an all-girls dorm, okay? It's called Harden House, very exclusive girls dorm. I was a busboy, all right? I think I've shared this a little bit before in the past too. I was a busboy and it was a sweet gig, all right? We got free food and lots of dates, all right? It was a dorm where there's like a sitting area and no boy was allowed to pass through that sitting area unless you work there. And I loved it when some girl would be visiting with her boyfriend and I would just walk in and just keep on walking. And he'd be like, hey, wait, where is he going? Oh, he's a busboy. All right. Busboy meant free pass into the inner sanctum. Okay. So we would wash dishes. We would serve food. We were clear tables. We were busboys. Okay? That was my job. I was a busboy. And at the particular time that I was doing this, I was a, I was a young believer. I mean, less than a year. All right. And there's six of us that would work on any given shift. And it was really cool. One day I, mean, I was just scrubbing pots and this guy comes up and he starts sharing the gospel with me. And it was the first time I'd ever heard it like that. He was intentionally sharing. I got really excited. And for one minute I thought, okay, maybe I won't tell him I'm a Christian. All right, maybe I'll just like act like, I believe, you know, like right then in that moment, you know. <laughs> and I told him, no, like, hey, yeah, I'm a follower of Christ. He's like, awesome. Okay, all right, now there's three of us, three more to go. All right, Mike, you start praying for Jack. You're gonna pray for Jack. I'm, I'm praying for Steve and he's praying for Jeff, right? There's three believers here, three more to go. And I was like, wow. Like it never even occurred to me, all right, that watch, I was anything more than getting free food and getting some dates out of this thing, all right? But he was on a mission. He was taking advantage of every opportunity. I love that. Okay, now there's three of us. There's three more to go. And for as long as I worked there, we saw everyone come to know Christ. It was powerful. Okay, taking advantage of the opportunities um, that were given. And the opportunities are, are everywhere, everywhere. Um, and I want to encourage you one more just on this line. Think small. You know, I think in our culture, we're always taught and told, hey, think big, think big, think big. Think small. Think about the people God puts in your path, all right? It's your coworker, it's your boss, it's your employee, all right? It's your mailman, all right? It's the checkout woman at Target, whatever it is, think small. All right, don't, you don't need to go out and, and start another nonprofit, okay? Um, just love and serve the people God puts in your path. And you will change the world if you do that, okay? It's not rocket science. It's, it's easy um, to take advantage. Well, I shouldn't say it's easy. The opportunities are there. We need to take advantage of them. And it might be hard. It might be challenging, but we need to do it. Um, and, and people are hurting. So really, I don't think it takes much all right, to love and serve well, making the most of every opportunity. Okay, the last point, the last thing on this, and I won't spend long on this, because um, you know already, be careful in how you live, not as unwise as wise, making most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I, mean, I think we know that, all right? We know this is, we don't live in a great place right now, all right? It's a hard place to be right now, all right? The days are evil. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting comment or statement. You know, when I'm in Rwanda, um, you know, I was there this summer, you know, I think Rwandans have more hope for their country than we do as Americans. Um, and I think we have a thing or two to learn from Rwanda. Um, we would have said that back in the 90s, but I'm saying it now. It's a hard time to live. And I think increasingly it is a 
post-Christian world that we live in. Um, we live in a broken world, um, this corrupt, sinful world. I mean, I know that's nothing new um, for you guys to know or think about. There's spiritual forces of evil at work. Um, you know, and then also, of course, I think we're at war with ourselves. Our own sin nature makes life hard and difficult. Uh, so the days are evil, all right? That's why it is a battle. It is a war. And we need to man up, okay, and be prepared to take it on and fight for it. Um, but I'll, I'll just add one more. I mean, this is not necessarily evil, but it's just life is hard, all right? I've not met anyone, you know, uh, who's just said, yeah, oh, man, life's a breeze. It's easy. Life might be good, but it's still hard. Um, and I don't want to be a, like the doom and gloom guy. You know, I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for the role I get to play here at River West. I'm thankful that I'm a swim coach. I'm thankful, you know, I got my health. You know, I have a lot to be thankful for. But there's also obstacles we have to overcome and deal with and, and fight against. Life is just difficult. Life is just hard. And I think that's so often why men kind of retreat. Um, right now, and uh, I'll, I'll share this kind of as a prayer request. A lot of you are praying. You know, my mom is back in Texas, living in Houston, and she's got pancreatic cancer. And it is brutal. Um, every time I share that with someone, someone's like, oh, yeah, I, I know someone who died of pancreatic cancer. It's one of the worst cancers you can get. And I hate it. I am 2,000 miles away. It's always this constant hum in the back of my mind that I'm not present for my mom. I'm not there. Um, my sister and I have been at odds over this for a while. Um, and there's a point in time where she did not even want to talk to me. And I was in Houston a couple of weeks ago. We finally sat down. We talked. And it was hard. It was brutal. She's had all this pent-up frustration and anger, you know, directed towards me for years, ever since I've moved to Oregon. You know, it all just kind of came spewing out. So we worked through that, you know, and I had this great visit with my mom. Um, but it's always present. It's always in the back of my mind. And just the other day, I got a call from my mom and crying tears of joy, okay? Because, you know, if you have cancer, there's all these different markers that they're looking at and, uh, this particular number was down, you know, and the oncologist was really pumped. My mom was really pumped. I mean, tears of joy, great news, okay? Same day, just a couple hours later, she's walking out, uh, out her back steps and she falls, okay? She face-planted on the driveway. She broke her nose, she broke her shoulder, she has a fracture in her hip. Same day, within hours of the great news. So then when I got the call, it was not tears of joy, it was tears of pain and frustration, and it was brutal. Oh my gosh. It just sucked everything out of me to have that conversation with my mom, you know? And um, you all can think of examples like that. Life is hard. You know, she's in the hospital right now. Actually, just, she moved. Yesterday was her birthday. And uh, they moved her from the hospital to like a, a, a PT, a place for, for physical therapy. Most likely will be there uh, when we go to visit at Christmas. You know, it's hard. And guys, I know I'm not unique in that. It's not a pity party for me. But if you think about my mom, Kitty, please pray for her. But all of you, if you all stood up here, I know all of you could give me an example of why your life is hard. I'm sure there's beautiful things too. There's beautiful things in my life. Um, but you could tell me, life is hard. We have obstacles. We have challenges we have to overcome. Um, and we don't get a hall pass. We don't get to check out, disappear. Um, again, because as men, there is so much at stake. Um, all right, guys, I'm going to close this out. This is how I want to close this out. The goal is not just to live to give men at large a better reputation. 
okay? That is a wonderful byproduct, though, of us living as we are called to live, looking at Jesus, the ultimate example of manhood, all right? We change our culture, we change our families, we change our culture, we change our cities, we change the world when we are more like Jesus, okay? But then we have warnings and, and wisdom like this that tell us, hey, it's not gonna be easy. You gotta make the most of every opportunity. Um, don't check out, don't coast, um, don't let the culture emasculate you. Uh, don't let the culture determine how you should act. I mean, we got Jesus uh, to tell us how to do that. Um, bring your best, bring your best. You know, I have a, uh, I have a Jeep Wrangler and it's a stick. And uh, some days, like when I'm really tired, this is so stupid, but I'm really tired and I go to press in the clutch, I kind of just halfway press in the clutch. And if you got a stick, can you shift when the clutch is halfway pressed in? You try and it makes a God awful noise. You think you're, you know, the whole engine is gonna fall out of your car. I've done that probably three different times. You know, and the last time I did it, I was so mad at myself and it hit me, I'm like, all right, Mike, you can't go through life like this, halfway doing this, halfway putting the clutch because it just doesn't work. Okay, you have to bring your best, all right? Your A game, all right? Whatever it is, knowing that we need the Lord. This is not the man up, you can do it on your own talk, all right? I'm not telling you to go run out there and be like Batman. What I'm telling you is be more dependent on Jesus to live as Jesus and you will change the world if you do it. Um, that's what our families need. That's what our world needs for sure. I'm gonna close with this quote. Um, this is from one of my favorite books. If you have a daughter, I would encourage you to read this book. It's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And this particular quote is talking to men specifically who have daughters, but I want you to think of it in a broader sense because what the author is saying about what, what daughters need, I think that's what the world needs. So as I read this, I want you to take it on in a, in a bigger perspective. This is what she writes. It says, men... Good men, we need you. We, mothers, daughters, and sisters, need your help to raise healthy young women. We need every ounce of your masculine courage and wit you own, because fathers more than anyone else set the course for a daughter's life. Your daughter needs the best of who you are, your strength, your courage, your intelligence, and your fearlessness. She needs your empathy, assertiveness, and self-confidence. She needs you. All right, the world needs you. The world needs better men, better men who love Jesus and love the people that God puts in his path. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this passage uh, of scripture, which is a great summary, I think, for how all men should live. Uh, we need your help to do it. Help us to be wise. Help us to take advantage of the opportunities that you give us because there are obstacles, challenges, the days are evil. Uh, we need you. Um, I want us to have a gospel impact in this world. Help us to see everything as a platform for the gospel. And it's exciting when we live that way. And I'm sure some of us are tentative uh, to live in such a way, but encourage us, strengthen us, help us to take that first step, that second step, that third step to live in such a way because so much is at stake. Um, and again, we need you to live that way. 
um, thankful, uh, Father, for your son, Jesus. We thank you, not only for your, your life, your death, uh, your resurrection, for just for saving us, but just for the example you gave us and your manliness and how you lived. Help us all to be more like you. Um, and Jesus, this is in your name that I pray, um, in your power and strength. Um, amen.